Outliers in Education is brought to you by CEE, the Center for Educational Effectiveness. Better data, better decisions, better schools. To find out more, visit effectiveness.org. How on earth in challenging times such as these do educators and school leaders keep their chins up? With COVID on the one hand and social political upheaval on the other, is it even possible to maintain a positive school culture? Turns out, absolutely. We'll be looking into how on this episode of Outliers in Education. That's what we're all about in letting our kids be successful. If you want to achieve something, then surround yourself with the people you want to become. Because kids are kids in small districts, rural districts, urban. Kids are kids. Well, here we are again, Eric 1 and Eric 2, bringing you a brand new episode of Outliers in Education. I'm Eric Price, joined as always by my co-host and friend, Mr. Eric Bowles from the Center of Educational Effectiveness. So Bowles, they've been calling these the twin pandemics. There's COVID, of course, but right along with it comes that wave of extremism and divisiveness that are finding their ways right into our schools. I mean, books are being burned, lawmakers are working to effectively muzzle teachers in certain places over things like critical race theory. And all the while, our political leaders seem to just be putting gas on the fire. It's difficult to imagine maintaining a positive culture in our school when it feels like the world outside is coming apart at the seams. You're not kidding, EP. It definitely is a tough time to be an educator and particularly be a school leader. Um, What we know about school cultures is they often are a microcosm of society. So I think it makes it doubly hard in terms of dealing with the logistics of the pandemic and now trying to maintain some level of civility where we don't even see civil discourse oftentimes in local school board meetings. What we do know is a school leader or a, a district leader focusing on culture, making culture really that uh, area of key focus, forefront focus over some of the other areas that uh, that we look at, uh, achievement data, for example. It turns out that leader can make a giant difference and uh, can have a powerful impact and can create a culture inside of a school where a small committed group of people can, in fact, change the world. Yeah, you're totally right. And that impact can go right down to the students and then out to families and communities from there. It's a huge topic right now, and to help us understand what's possible, we've got one of our culture-building experts in the state joining us on the show today. Mr. Doug Kaplicki, a principal, has been a school administrator for 18 years. Before that, he had a successful career in sports marketing and public relations. He was named, well, let's just go through this one. This, This is a list. National Teacher Award in 2003, National Trailblazer Educator 2010, AWSP Regional Principal of the Year 2010, 2017 State Principal of the Year. He's got a bunch of national research. He's a public speaker. He's a consultant. And after kind of COVID put a halt to that, he popped back into the principalship. Doug Kaplicki, welcome to the show. Well, it's uh, I'm humbled and honored to be a part of this. Uh, it's always good to see two of my favorite uh, guys. I, I feel it's Eric Squared, uh, and it's uh, fantastic to see both you guys. Uh, and I can't say uh, thank you enough for just an opportunity to just talk with you and learn. And, and I've really enjoyed some of your outlier uh, podcasts. You guys are amazing. Yeah, one of the things that uh, EP did not mention in that lengthy bio, which is very impressive, by the way, uh, Mr. Kaplicki, uh, is that you were uh, a baseball player of, of some repute in the 90s, unfortunately couldn't hit the lefty curve, and as a result, took a right turn and ended up in public education. Um, 
So extending the baseball metaphor a bit, batting out of order, typically EP takes the first question, but uh, we deferred to me this time because I've had the privilege of sort of sitting in the in the front seat, in the passenger seat over the last uh, year and change as you took uh, Adams Elementary over, working in the building uh, as a consultant on some school improvement issues. And what has impressed me the most was what we do at CEE primarily is we provide uh, survey data, in my opinion, best in class data that really focuses primarily on school culture how school culture is progressing. We know, uh, as the immortal Peter Drucker uh, once said, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so we take a little bit different tact with uh, school improvement issues at CEE. We start at culture. We don't start at achievement. We see student achievement as that ultimate lagging indicator and so many other precursors, uh, school culture notwithstanding, having to be in place. So my big question, having seen all that, having been a part of that, uh, and Frankly, the transformational data at Adams from the time you took over uh, in the COVID window to that first EES administration under your leadership was the most transformative data set I've seen to date, which is a long preamble for a short question. How did you do it, Doug Kaplicki? Well, thank you. And and uh, completely humbled by the kind of the intro. Um, I didn't. And that's the best way for me to say it. I, I didn't uh, I didn't do anything. I, I actually was. Um, I had the ability to find a diamond in the rough. In my mind, it, it started out with we, our, and us. Uh, it was never an I. Uh, in my mind, just any anytime you're building culture, you're building climate. Um, for us, I was super blessed to have an incredible district level team that was helping that process. I know, Eric, you've been involved and you and I have teamed, uh, over the years with some school improvement. Um, but this was, this was a big lift. There were, there were some data points that were, uh, concerning. And I'm not just talking in the SBA or Dibbles. Um, there are those, those struggles, but, uh, I think relational trust. And how do we trust one another? Um, but I do believe Adams really was a, it was a diamond in the rough. Um, I've been super blessed to be in some other situations in some other settings that, uh, again, if you're, you're trying to get that 85 to 90% of staff really trying to kind of buy into each other. Uh, and, and again, I'm doing, if somebody's saying, if I'm a fifth grade teacher, I'm doing my job. Are you? And how do you have that trust? And so I think it all starts, and I would say this to any new principal, new superintendent, new uh, assistant principal, we started doing one-on-one meetings early, really try to sit down and learn about every individual. We have about 100 uh, staff members at Adams, and our, our whole makeup was what can we do to serve, support, and inspire our staff? And we we really did find a diamond in the rough. There were some incredibly talented people. There were some people that uh, we could embrace history, some incredible things that I was just in shock by. And uh, again, we had the concept of it. I didn't do anything. It was completely we, our, and us by our teams and uh, individual grade level teams and then extended um, into uh, instructional leadership teams. Well, I appreciate the humility there, Kaplicki, but I, I know that you've done a bunch of things here to help out with that process. Bowles and I have both been in that principal seat. One of the things that was difficult for me was this celebration piece, and, and I know that's a huge part of it. What, what did you do to kind of highlight those places in your community that were doing the right thing? Yeah, Eric, thanks for the, thanks for the question. And, uh, I know, Eric, you did a lot of this yourself. Um, I think we had to start thinking differently. Um, and, and one of the things is the whole concept of, of Steve Jobs and, uh, what his, the business model of thinking differently. 
Um, when I when I talk about celebration, I want to con the concept of Steve Jobs when he was building his company. He was, you know, he got to remember he was taking classes outside of his his network of his degree program. He would go to a calligraphy class to be creative to try to figure out how he can do some different things. And uh, not until I had, I don't know, 12 years or so under my belt of being a principal. And we were very blessed. Uh, our teams were celebrated through the way. But I learned very quickly in my consulting and my public speaking, I became an active listener. And I realized I didn't really know as much as I thought I might. And what happened was as I became very reflective on social media, I became very reflective. I'd start following a lot of the, I'd, I'd, I'd do a speaking uh, engagement at a high school or a middle school, and then I'd start following what they were doing. And uh, with this, this is a this is a business that you, you snag some different things that are out there. And so I became very active in social media, um, not for promotion, but for just enhancing that aspect of celebration and PBIS rewards and your social emotional learning. And how do we do that as a team and how do we grow as a team? When we talk about individualized celebrations, though, we started doing uh, everything. And I know a lot of schools do this. We do a lot of shout outs. So it was it was an uncomfortable level that we had a lot of great people and in in those first meetings people would say oh my goodness this this librarian is amazing oh my gosh this fourth grade team does amazing things this third grade teacher does and i started hearing that and i thought how do we celebrate that so i started putting that pressure on back to the staff and saying hey i'm going to do a weekly newsletter it's going to be the bulldog bulletin we're going to try to get that out and simple, simple items where they had to do their shout out. And then they would put in the email. Hey, I really want to, I really want to celebrate this teacher. They really helped out. They were great. Um, I had an emotional breakdown. You know, I'm, I'm losing it with trying to manage 26 kids in masks and, and what I, they, they were like, Oh, but don't say anything. Don't say it was me that I, I said that. And I'm like, why not? That's how we build capacity. So I had to push them a little bit and they were uncomfortable. And I've seen that in some other settings, but this, this was different. Um, I started really being more empathetic. Um, I needed to reflect on my own leadership and try to grow from where I was even four or five years ago. And my empathy through that process was I learned why they, you know, they didn't, they wanted to celebrate one person. But they're like, well, so and so might get mad if I don't celebrate them. So we really had to. That was a. It was a learning curve of how we celebrate. We started doing everything. Uh, we started averaging, you know, anywhere from nine to fifteen uh, celebrations or shoutouts a week and newsletters. We started taking a WWF uh, championship belt that has the bulldog logo, and and we started celebrating people and go to the classroom. So then the kids started feeling it. They got excited. Uh, we started. Uh, and, did and did we you got, dress up? As a, any kind of a WWF I, so character, it's what I, I can't. Know. No, I didn't. But I will tell you what. <laughs> let me tell you. After 15 plus years in administration, let me tell you the 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 ultimate. You got to be kidding me. So we do picture day. I was messing around with kids, and I was out, you know, doing food distribution or something. And I'm in the bulldog mascot outfit. So I went yeah. in and I thought, oh, I'll just take a picture. Yeah. Little did I know that that becomes my skyward picture. That becomes the picture when you walk in with all the staff members all looking nice. And there I am like a knucklehead in the bulldog mascot. Uh, I was just like, you got to be kidding. But <laughs> you know who loves it is the kids. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit yeah. embarrassing on the adult end. Um, but the PBIS rewards, the student store, the work that um, we have people that are just doing an incredible job. We have a MTSS gal, Ian Kristen Cisneros and, and data specialist and Morgan and and 
the one of the best uh, counselors I've been around in uh, Alyssa Russell, our cell counselor, just doing amazing things to promote kids. And it's starting to kind of take it. But that was established. That was established. It just never got put on that pedestal of like, hey, you guys are doing great things. Nothing was broken. Um, there was nothing broken. It's just a huge, it's a big school. It's a hundred staff members for an elementary school. So <laughs> those are just some things. Um, I do, I adamantly, uh, would love to promote the, you know, have people look at, at the network, even from Pinterest to Twitter to LinkedIn and really get cool ideas that are out there from our colleagues nationwide. So Doug, before I ask the next question, I would point out that, uh, in your case, the mascot suit is clearly a wardrobe upgrade. Um, <laughs> And uh, you, yes, you and, and I've been around each other for a long time. Yeah, and and moving on from that, you know, really liked the, the sort of the linear process of getting peers to recognize peers, elevating that in a systematic and disciplined way. Talk to us about who else you recognize in the uh, in the school community. How do you recognize kids? Uh, you you're you're one of those principals that doesn't uh, create a moat around the building and sometimes denigrate uh, central admin. You actually lift central admin up. Uh, I know you've got robust community partnerships. Being a Yakima kid, that may be an advantage. Talk to us about some of those other uh, partnerships, uh, recognitions, and and the fruit that that uh, effort bears in terms of uh, overall school culture. Eric, I appreciate the uh, that that the the piece that you had shared on those partnerships, and you and I've had a lot of conversations around those. Uh, I know your great work when you were both in Richland, um, and then as an assistant superintendent in Pasco. Pasco is doing things that is it's unbelievable the partnerships that they have built within that community, and and I know Richland's doing the best they can with it as well, and and um, so we're super super blessed. We um, we've had an opportunity, and I. I will say I do want to give full credit to um, both you and, and, and CEE in that process, as well as uh, Randy Russell, who's a superintendent in the Freeman School District and uh, has RLR. And we've talked about those. And he wrote the book, uh, The Three Ships. And I've kind of gone off those the concepts of the three ships of leadership, relationships, and then, of course, partnerships. And those partnerships started unfolding um, kind of organically. Uh, like you said, coming back to town and, and being uh, from the hometown, it's it's really opened up some, some great uh, reconnections. But more so, again, one of the things I have to say is our team had some of those amazing relationships that were already established. We have an assistant principal, um, Ian Jose Contreras, who grew up right on, on the east side of town and has amazing amazing uh, partnerships, as well as Jacob Davis, who we uh, we had a chance to hire, who was a superintendent at the Yakima Tribal. And so he was a, a gentleman that we get a couple days a week. And, and both those guys are doing everything they can to connect with our with our community. Um, we have actually really had opportunities to just build on what was already established. And those establishments, uh, we had an assistant principal um, at Adams, even though we rotated through several uh, lead principals, an assistant principal named Brandon Hunt, uh, was, he is now a principal at Whitney Elementary, did an incredible job laying the foundation, laying the groundwork, building some of those relationships with people. And, uh, it's a true credit. So I, you know, yes, I have that marketing background. Yes, I've had a, a public relations background, but in all reality, it's not me. It, it is a hundred percent the team, um, and, and what they have already established. We just had a chance to kind of add on to it. We were, uh, one of the things that we did is project 500 and we partnered, um, with Triumph and we partnered with, 
everything from Old Navy to Salvation Army and some of those. And those were, you know, Christmas gifts and, and opportunities at Christmas and Thanksgiving. But we really um, have, I don't know, we're somewhere between probably 45 to 70 partnerships uh, in the winter time. And, and again, we are also in our first year working with community and schools and another, another great partnership um, that's a nationally recognized company. Thank you, Doug. On that note, we're actually going to take a short break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in one minute to hear more from Principal Doug Kaplicki right here on Outliers in Education. School districts across the country are turning their focus to social-emotional learning like never before. But who has the time? Now you do. Thanks to the Whole Educator Series, an online SEL training that you take at your own pace. Six modules packed with proven strategies that will make a difference right away. The training was awesome. The content was amazing. This workshop is going to make you a better educator. Taught by SEL expert Dr. Greg Benner, the Whole Educator Series delivers strategies to ease the stress on you while bringing out the best in your students. These strategies, they work. You'll be amazed at the results not only with the youth you serve, but also in your own life. He's telling us strategies that we can implement tomorrow. Absolutely a home run. Professional development at the speed of life. Check out the whole Educator Series online SEL training. Available now from CEE at effectiveness.org slash workshops. That's effectiveness.org slash workshops. Well, welcome back to Outliers in Education, and we're here with Principal Doug Kaplicki talking about how to create and maintain a positive school culture, in, particularly in this difficult time. Hey, DK, you've only been at Adams Elementary leading during a time of crisis. Uh, you talk a lot about the structures of enhancing culture and in, in not only in the school, but in the wider school community. Uh, talk to us about some of those enduring lessons that you've learned that you'll carry forward that you think will impact the school for, for years to come. Yeah, it, and Eric, I appreciate that. And, and again, it, it's been a, it's definitely been a team process. I think one of the things that I would highly recommend if you are, uh, if you're in a, a school district that's outside and you don't have a lot of supports, um, I know that I started my career in the city of Warden and I didn't have a lot of connections. And one of the things I'd really, uh, encourage if you're listening to this is teaming with the ESD. Um, I was super, you know, super lucky when I was in Tiny Town Warden, great people, amazing staff, and Greg Lobdell, who was a pioneer at uh, and, and was the CEO, I believe, at, at CEE, was coming out all the way out from Bellevue, uh, would sit down, explain data to me. I was still sitting there trying to figure out what that all meant. Greg was patient, kind, uh, a visionary, Microsoft developer for years, and was so brilliant that the, the man continually helped us along and really allowed some major success. After a couple of years, we landed some success in 2010. And, and then the other piece to that is the partnerships with your ESD. I think your ESD leaders are, are critical. We were super blessed in, in Warden at that time to have ESD superintendent, Rich, uh, Dr. Rich McBride, who was an incredible leader and his team. And I think oftentimes we forget about leaning on some great ESD uh, folks. Um, and we're super blessed in 105 right now. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we've got Kevin Chase and his team. Uh, and, and now they've got a deputy superintendent in Shane Backlund that's going to be joining. Those are people that have been in the ranks. Those are people you have to reach out. Sometimes we have to let our hair down a little bit and just open those conversations because oftentimes we're in the thick of it. 
And I really hope that people can kind of do that. So those are some steps. Those are some early steps that I really want to thank CEE for helping me understand. And then Eric, your team has just continued to take off with uh, the work that uh, Greg did. So Doug, let's just pretend I'm a first year principal. I'm coming into to this seat and, and I really want to work and hone in on this culture piece. Um, you, you got a lot of chops, a lot of years behind you. What would you say, hey, this, this, here's some things that you just absolutely got to pay attention to when you're thinking about that culture. Yeah. I, I want to come back to the, the piece of empowerment of, of empowering those relationships, spending extra time, having that open door policy, um, especially early. Uh, I, I've seen it time and time again, especially when I was on the road consulting and speaking that a lot of times folks are so caught up in August and July about the strategy and what's the schedule. And they don't want to spend that extra time, like spend some extra time with that, that new teacher. And I, one of my transparencies that I've struggled in my career, and I, I made it a priority is onboarding. How much time do we spend onboarding? You have a great vision and you've got a team that's moving hundred miles an hour and they're doing great. And then you have a mid-year hire. You might have a, you know, you might have somebody hired in January. How much time are we as principals spending with those folks? The other piece to that is just like a 30, 60, 90 plan. I know in Powerless to Powerful, uh, incredible book that I know you guys have had Susan and, and uh, Dr. Salinas uh, on, and, and they've been, they, they're amazing. And they talk about the 45-day cycle. I know that uh, CEE does some of those 45-day and 90-day cycles. And that's something that I, I really would encourage uh, a lot of um, a lot of building leaders, a lot of district leaders to work through that process. I know that a CEE is a lot more than just the climate and culture, but they really have some great coaches like the two of you guys. How are you reflecting? How am I reflecting? One of the things I've tried to do is kind of a weekly uh, reflection and just kind of what do I what didn't I accomplish? What do I need to accomplish? And you, you talked about some coaching pieces. But did, was that a helpful piece for reflection? Yeah, it. it not only was it helpful, um, I think it is so critical that so many, even veteran, I know we talked about new principles, but veteran principles sometimes really just need to take a step back and go, okay, I am, I'm struggling here. And, and here's an example of that. Um, I have a fourth grade team, uh, incredibly talented group. They've been as a, a collective group, they've been teaching for over 30 some years. I've never taught fourth grade. So why in the wide world of sports would I go in there and try to say, hey, this is where we should go? And I started learning. And then on the other side of that, the other side of that is a dual language kindergarten team. We have uh, six kindergarten teachers. I've never taught kindergarten. I've always said I would be, you know, I, I have been in some uh, tough uh, gang related environments and and I, I am way more comfortable with a gang member threatening me than I am a kindergartner crying. And so listening and learning from a brand new rookie teachers and the new concepts that they're bringing from their, from their universities, those have been two moments that I don't believe in my career early on, or even a few years ago, I would have been reflective enough to understand, wow, I'm, I'm not going to come in and say, Hey, this is what the strategy, this is where we're headed. Let's build the relationship, embrace the history, and then try to kind of be that servant leader and empathetic leader as you try to move through that with those folks. And backing up a little bit to be able to reflect on that, I just don't think we usually take the time to do that as leaders, right? 
No, and I I will tell you, um, I, I really I, I think I want to share just a quick story of our, our our pride and joy in Yakima right now is Cooper Cup, and uh, you know one of the things that we've we've enjoyed watching uh, Cooper grow up as a as a hard working, I mean like he's relentless in his work ethic, and one of the things I love when he gets interviewed a lot of times is he talks about team. And he talks about, I, you know, I'm not going to get open if we don't have a line and we don't have a great quarterback and we don't have an offensive coordinator and we don't have the guys up in the sky kind of looking at the film. And it, he's very reflective. And, you know, we, we love that uh, Cooper's from, you know, EWU and, and from AC Davis High School and the things that he shared. But even more so, we get the we get the bonus plan because we have our faith based partnerships that we were talking about earlier. And we have uh, the Saints alumni, Jake Cup, who is helping us with the faith based components of partnerships and, and bringing in volunteers for reading and reading with our first grade and second grade kids. That's a partnership. And that's something that, again, it was established at Adams. It's not something that we have been, uh, you know, have been able to enhance due to COVID and the pandemic. And so it's it's we're not there yet. We feel like we're we're getting there, and it, it's nice to see that we're moving forward. Um, but boy, it's it's awesome to hear leaders like the Jake Cups and Cooper Cups and some of those folks, and and then tying it back to the educational field. But um, be reflective. Um, you don't have the answers. I would just say that both for veterans and 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 I, I learned I had to learn that the hard way, and and it's it's one of those things where I I'm I'm still trying to learn, but I I really try to uh, serve and support people. So we have a lot of colleagues that spend a lot of time in that achievement domain. It's all about instruction. It's all about improving achievement. And clearly, you know, kids are in school to learn. It is about instruction. Uh, and I'm not meaning to minimize that completely. However, if we're not a cohesive team, and that's where you spend a lot of time talking today, I don't know that we ever get to that end result of becoming that outlier school, that school that really performs differently than what we might think the demographic would suggest. Um, so, Doug, talk us through, you've been doing this a while, talk us through where Adams is in five years and convince our colleagues that focus on achievement over and over again uh, why this early focus on culture will translate into success across a variety of data domains, including student achievement. Well, I think you brought up the best line, or Eric uh, Eric Price did, about, you know, again, culture eats strategy for breakfast, plain and simple. Um, but one of the things that we have to start looking at, um, we are not going to move forward if we are so data-driven, if we are so test-driven, and if we are getting ourselves into a place where we lose the re relational trust. And I think um, one of the things I can share is, is even at Adams, we have three major OSSI goals that we're looking at with our school improvement. Many, I know many of the schools are not, especially with COVID and in remote learning, not in remote learning. Are we in remote learning? I mean, there's oftentimes that we, you know, we're one week to, to the other where a lot of our goals are not being accomplished. However, one of the things that we did focus on is self, the social, social emotional piece. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna tie it for a new principal or a veteran principal, if you're going to make climate or your culture, um, a, a priority, then it's got to tie yourself to this, to the SIP. And, and you've got to tie that to that school improvement plan. And one of the keys to that, I would say, is understanding of short wins, quick wins. Um, a lot of times we're in four to six week cycles and we're looking at data and we're looking at all those things. That's got that's almost in my mind, we've got to have it in shorter wins, like weekly wins. Um, how did they accomplish, did, did the kids, how many kids accomplished the standard, not the unit, 
not the not the chapter, but the standards going back. And that's the big thing is, Eric, I like what you said. Um, when we start, we, we can't try to catch kids up in this process. We've got to meet them where they are. Where can we meet that kid where that child is and then bring them along and meet the standard? And I think we've lost that concept. And so often we get uh, folks in, in and we're pretty blessed in in Yakima in Eastern Washington areas, there's, there are a lot of folks that are doing a really, really good job. I've got some great colleagues on the West side of the state that do a really good job of trying to break down what the data looks like. And how do we get quick wins? How do we get those, those short wins in, in, in not those long periods of, of a Dibbles test from say fall all the way to the spring. Smokes, there's so much here, Doug, that I think, I, I mean, we need another couple of hours because we've really got, you know, decades of experience and, and things that have moved to, to, um, your experience at Adam. So here's the, the time of the show when, uh, Bowles gets to take all that stuff and, and kind of compress it. What, what's our compressed learning Bowles? Well, I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. So one of the first things I listen for, uh, and, and really piques my interest when I think about somebody who I believe is going to be effective. This is a bias that I bring to the table is I listen for the words we are and us over I and me. And uh, one of the things that I have always appreciated about Doug is he recognizes that, uh, you know, as as administrators, as as leaders in buildings, we're one small slice of the pie. And it really is about it really is about the power of the team, the multiplying effect of a team. Um, I felt like this was a direct tie to podcast number 10 with Chuck Selena and Suzanne Gertz. Uh, Doug pulled so much out of uh, Powerless to Powerful. It's it's clear that he's internalized those principles inside of Powerless to Powerful. And it's just leading with that. Uh, automaticity. I love what Doug said about staff buying into each other. I think so often in leadership positions, we can be tempted to worry a, worry a ton about what, are the, what does the staff feel about us? And it is important that you've got 70 to 85% of the staff with you as a principal, um, but it's not the most important factor. The most important factor is, you know, how do you stir that drink that becomes that unconditional peer regard? Uh, because, you know, how peers feel about each other has everything to do with how teams uh, ultimately succeed. And those of us who have been in band and drama in uh, sports at some point in our life have had that incredible experience of a bunch of ragtag individual knuckleheads that create pretty incredible chemistry when, when they're a team. Um, Doug talked a lot about the power of one-on-ones and, and a genuine personal interest in each colleague uh, at his school, which is something, again, I think is often lost on us in school improvement. We're so worried about getting that end result, we forget that it's about getting to know the people that that, that do that. Um, active listening, again, right out of P2P. Um, it's not about what we have to say to people. It's about what we hear other people say. And then how do we take those themes and make those themes public so that folks know that what they're saying is actually has have been heard. Uh, the discipline of peers recognizing peers, institutionalizing, uh, institutionalizing that is something that I think most of us don't do very well. And, uh, Doug put on a masterclass. Every principal should listen to that little snippet and really get disciplined about what does my week look like in structuring that recognition. And not just peers, but central admin, uh, regional administrative supports, uh, contractors and consultants that are of value, community partners. Um, he really he really hit it all. It really does take uh, an entire village to, to raise school culture. Um, he talked about not neglecting onboarding. Um, I'm always stunned as a refugee from the restaurant industry. Doug's early career was in 
in marketing. My early career was in the restaurant industry. And we onboard phenomenally well in the restaurant industry. I mean, it's a guided apprenticeship, a loving handoff, sequence of service on the front end of the house, uh, an apprentice opportunity on the back end of the house. And in education, we kind of throw you into that first grade classroom and, and we hope for the best. And what happens is onboarding occurs. It absolutely occurs one way or the other. But if we're cognizant and, and playing that role, we can really create the kind of team uh, that we want. Um, short improvement cycles lead to rapid improvement. And that flies in the face of a lot of longstanding educational research. You heard Doug say it. We've seen it in uh, Chuck and Suzanne's work at, at Sunnyside High School and other places. Um, and I love the tie that Doug made to SEL. And I'm going to spend just a minute on that. I know this is the world's longest winded wrap up since Bill Walton was in a basketball game that was a 20... <laughs> with a 20-point margin and, and talking about the macroeconomics in China. But I think it's really important that that unconditional regard that we feel for each other as peers trickles down. And when we take care of students using a methodology like Cell, uh, hearkening back to Great Benner's podcast, um, students feel what the adults feel. And when the adults have the strategies to help the students, there's just an incredible uh, synergy and all that. And, and what we learned, uh, I think, ultimately was a staff with unconditional regard for their peers can change the world. Thank you our good friend, Doug Kaplicki, for sharing your wisdom today. Uh, it's wisdom that I know will make a huge difference for folks that happen to tune in this podcast. Yeah. And I think, I think the great thing, Doug, is that we know these things as leaders, we kind of know about them. The hard thing is doing them. So we appreciate you coming in with really some, some amazing numbers in that cultural improvement to not just say, yeah, I read it in a book, but you've actually done it, and we appreciate that. So thank you for sharing your your wisdom about how you did it and, and some of those struggles that you had along the way. And we hope that you keep fighting the fight, my man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys, and thanks uh, thanks for keep uh, for you guys just continuing to build human bridges and allowing the creativity of educators to come out. So uh, thank you for the work you guys are doing as well. Hey, you got it. We'd like to thank all of you for joining us. You can find this episode and more online at effectiveness.org or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Until next time, this has been Outliers in Education. If you'd like to find out how to gather the data you need to help drive positive change in your school or district, take a moment to visit CEE, the Center for Educational Effectiveness, at effectiveness.org. Better data, better decisions, better schools. Effectiveness.org.